Let me see you put them up Reach the skies, touch the stars up above Cause it's one time for the underdog one time for the underdog. I'm Patrick, your host of Value Tim, and today we're going to talk about the one topic that keeps coming up in the democratic debates that's taking place, and that's universal basic income, an idea that was brought up by Andrew Yang. Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Can we afford it? We're going to look into it in today's episode. Jobs being replaced by AI. Even Kai-Fu Lee, who's an expert, AI expert, he's a Taiwanese venture capitalist. He's got his PhD from Carnegie Mellon. Lots of respect. He said in a recent interview with 60 Minutes, 40% of all jobs could be replaced. 40%, that's a lot, that's four out of 10 jobs, two out of five jobs could be replaced is what he's saying. So Pat, what do you mean, what kind of jobs can we replace? Well, you're seeing videos with all these robots, so they're saying drivers are gonna be replaced by self-driving cars. Financial analysts, computers are gonna do the, all, all the analysts, why do we need a, a person doing that? Transportation, food preparation, telemarketers, construction, farming, fishing, packaging. You're seeing robots doing backflips. You're seeing a robot, Will Smith trying to kiss a robot. You're seeing so many different things with robots. People are saying, what if this actually becomes a reality? And are we there yet? So one of the presidential candidates, Andrew Yang, came up with this idea saying, look, I think I'm not the only person that believes AI is an issue. And we need to start giving income to people because people are going to be unemployed. And he talked about this universal basic income of $1,000 a month to any citizen above the age of 18, which is $12,000 per year. That's what he proposed. And he says, I'm not the only one that came up with this. Nixon wanted to do something like this. Milton Friedman proposed something like this called the negative income tax, which we'll talk about in today's video. But there's a lot of other people doing it. So American people said, if a lot of other people are doing it, how about we, we, we should do it. Why not, not $1,000 a month to every American citizen? This is not a bad idea, but let's look at it a little more. Let's peel the onion a little bit and let's see if this could actually work or not. So Finland actually had a pilot for the UBI. And they took 2,000 unemployed people and they said, look, we're going to give you 560 euros per month to see how this works. They tested the pilot very quickly. They stopped the pilot saying the results that they wanted, they weren't getting. Now, another example people talk about is Alaska. If you live in Alaska, I've had many friends that have lived in Alaska because army bases are in Alaska. One was Fort Wainwright. And when you live in Alaska, Alaska has this program called Alaska Oil Royalty. They give you money every year. If you're a citizen, they're living there. It depends on how oil prices are doing. You'll get a check. For example, in 2015, they gave $2,072 per adult Every year, that year, they give $2,072 per adult that was a citizen of Alaska. They sent a check. And if you were a family of four, they gave a max of $8,288. Now, this amount is linked to oil and how it does. So if oil prices went down, for instance, in 2017, it was only $1,100 a person, right? And it went even lower because gas prices went even lower. I think it went to $800, $900. And that's what Alaska does. So he'll use the example and say, you know, some of these other guys do, but Alaska does this because, have you thought about moving to Alaska lately? Like, do you, do you wake up in the morning saying, oh, I'd love to go live in Alaska. By the way, I've been to Alaska. I took my kid. We had a phenomenal time living there. Not a lot of people want to move to Alaska. Most people would like to move to Miami, California, you know, maybe New York, maybe Chicago, maybe different places. No one wakes up in the morning saying, why would I want to go to Alaska? So Alaska is using their natural resource to bring more people who are willing to live there. This is one of the motivations, right? If you are living in a place where a lot of people don't want to go there, this may be a good motive. Does America have a problem with a lot of people wanting to come to America? I don't know about that. 
Why would they offer UBI? We don't have a problem with people wanting to come here, especially immigrants. So another one is Dubai. You know, when I was in Dubai, I started talking to a lot of the business owners. I said, how much taxes you guys pay every year? And they said, Pat, we don't pay income taxes. I said, you don't pay income taxes. America's revenues that comes in, half of it is from taxpayer income tax. No, we don't pay income taxes. So what kind of taxes you pay? We pay something called VAT. What does VAT stand for? Value added tax. So Dubai is another example where, you know, somebody could go there and say, look, I can start a business. I'm not paying any income tax. I'll pay the VAT tax. That's fine for me. But you mean to tell me I get to keep the rest of it? Yes. So why did they do that? Again, this is another method to get people to want to move to a place like Dubai and create a business. And it's worked for them. But that's if they need people to go there, which at one point Dubai did. If you go look at Dubai in the 80s, there is nothing. It's the desert versus what it is today. This was a way of getting people to want to move there. A lot of people have done this over the years with taxes. So now, that's universal basic income. Is it a good idea? Sounds ideal. But why does he compare it to negative income tax? Let's talk about the difference between UBI and negative income tax. So here's UBI. His proposal is $12,000 per year. It is estimated that's going to cost taxpayers $3 trillion per year. That's $30 trillion in the next decade. That's, again, $30 trillion the next decade. Sounds like a great idea, but it's $30 trillion the next decade. And he says, well, it's, it's very similar to negative income tax because negative income tax, Milton Friedman came up with this. So some of you guys may be asking, I've heard about negative income tax, but I don't really know how it works. How does it work? So here's how it works. Let's just say the living wage in America is $30,000. We're just picking this number here, right? It's $30,000. For you to be able to survive as an individual, you got to make $30,000. Let's say we come up with that number is thirty k But you don't make thirty k in a year. You only make $20,000 the next year. So you were under living wage by how much? $10,000. So Milton Friedman's idea is, say 50% of that is negative income tax, we'll pay you half of that back to you. 50% of 10,000 is what? $5,000, so you don't get back to 30, but at least we got you back to $25,000. That's negative income tax. But the biggest difference here is the following. Andrew Yang wants to do universal basic income, this $3 trillion cost per year, on top of all the other entitlement programs. So he doesn't want to stop the current entitlement programs that we have. When I show you how much it is, you're going to say, are you kidding me? Versus Milton Friedman says, I'm open to the idea of negative income tax, but we get rid of all the other entitlement programs because it's a lot easier for IRS to just cut you a check versus we have this department with this department, this department, Section 8, all these other employees we have to hire, not very easy. Negative income tax, you make $20,000, here's a $5,000 check. So you decide what you want to do with this money. And obviously, I'm just giving you the math. The math could be figured in many different ways, but that's what Milton Friedman said. They said, this is actually not a bad idea. So as you watch this, you say, what's the pros, what's the cons? Here's what you hear. Andrew Yang says the pros of his plan is if we give people $12,000 a year, it'll allow people to take their time getting a job to at least get a better job. So you know what? I was thinking about taking this job here, but I'm going to wait three more months for a better job because I'm still getting $1,000 every single month. I'll wait three more months to see if somebody on Mossner gets back to me. He says that is a pro. You know, another one is option to go to school or stay home and raise the kids. You know, I don't, I don't really need to go to school. I don't really need to get a job. I'm just going to stay home and raise my kids is what I'm going to do because I'm getting by $1,000 a month. Eliminate poverty, which sounds good and noble. Help young couples start a family. Babe, man, life is so expensive, babe. If we have this baby, this is going to cost a lot of money. Yeah, but this plan is $1,000 a month. Babe, we can have a baby. Oh, my gosh. Let's make a baby. Awesome. We can afford it now. That's the idea of what can happen. Con. And the con is 
taxes would go up, there'd be a fall in labor, and there would be another handout on top of all the other handouts that we already have in America, which I'll explain to you how much handout we're given today. So now, some of you are watching this and you're saying, Pat, I think this is a great idea. I think UBI is genius. And what makes you think you are more qualified to say something like this if, if even Elon and some of these other guys agree with this. This is genius. We need to have something like this. What if all these robots take over our job? What if all this stuff happens to us? I, what am I going to do? This is not a conversation about UBI. This is a conversation about a whole different story. Let me explain. I want you to think about a family. The family's name is the Jones family. Okay? Stay with me here. This Jones family's annual income is 36000 $540. That's their annual income. But their cost of living, their expenses annually are $40,940. That is $4,400 more than what they make every year. So how do they survive? And at, on top of all this stuff, they have $225,000 of debt. I'm talking credit card debt. And on top of that, they have long-term debt of $1.54 million. It's like you're living in a house worth $1.54 million. So imagine you're this family. You only make $36,000. Your expenses are $40,000 a year. You have $220,000 of credit card debt. And you're living in a house that's $1.54 million. What are you thinking about? Now, I want you to think about this family. Your wife, your husband, your kid comes and says, Hey, mom. Yeah, what's up, mom? Hey, what's up, son? Hey, hey, hey dad. Hey, you, you know, babe, I, I think we need to go out there and buy this car that is better than the current Chevy Astro van that we have that's cheap and it's used. I think we need to go buy this new Navigator came out and this new, you know, Expedition that came out or this new Escalade that came out. And your wife says, babe, what are you talking about? We can't afford that. What do you mean we can't afford that? But it's a great idea. Look how amazing the car is. Babe, we can't afford it. Babe, that's not the way to think about this. We got to buy this car. Do you think that is a good idea to go buy that Escalade? Do you actually believe that? You, you really think that's a good idea? Like common sense. You're watching this. You're a numbers person maybe. Does that make any sense? Your wife, your husband, you go up to your family. Would you say yes to it? Everybody would say, but we can't. We have $1.5 million, we're about to go bankrupt. We don't have any kind of money. What are you talking about here? Well, here's the reality of it. This is America. This is not the Jones family. You just got to add eight zeros to it. Let me explain to you what I mean by this. That annual income of $36,000 is really $3.654 trillion. That annual expenses of $40,940 is really $4 trillion of expenses. We are under $440 billion per year, okay? That $225,000 of debt, our national debt is $22.5 trillion. That's real money, $22.5 trillion. Our long-term debt of 1.54 is really $154 trillion. So you may be asking, Pat, what is within that $154 trillion? What do you mean unpaid commitments? Here's what we're talking about. Social Security, we've committed. We got to pay for it. There's a lot of people that are depending on it. Medicare, Part A, which is hospital. Part B, which is medical. And then D is your prescription. Federal debt held by public. Federal employees and veteran benefits. So that's $154 trillion of unfunded liabilities that we have to pay. That's just a commitment that we made to the people, right? So that's going to be happening. But the question I want you to be thinking about is the following. Remember how I said we make only $36,000, we spend $40,000? Watch how much America spends on entitlement programs. Out of our $3.654 trillion that comes in every year, $2.7 trillion 
goes towards entitlement programs. Let me unpack that for you. $988 billion a year goes to Social Security. $589 billion goes to Medicare. $604 billion goes to Medicaid. And $443 billion goes to other welfare programs. And for some of you guys that were asking about military, military is $684 billion last year. That's $684 billion military. $2.7 trillion entitlement programs. And on top of that, Andrew Yang wants to spend three more trillion dollars on top of our $2.7 trillion of more entitlement programs where Milton Friedman said negative income tax. Let's get rid of all these entitlement programs. Here's just money back. Do whatever you want to do with it. You want to get health insurance? You want to get this? It's on you. It's on you. you decide what you want to do with it. We're not giving you any more entitlement programs. This is it. He wants to tag on top of everything else. So now, you're watching this. You're saying, well, Pat, why are so many people getting excited about it? You, an idea like this, people are just like, everybody seems excited about it. Look, if you think about how the U.S. government gets money, it's typically three different ways. One is taxes, one is borrowing money from other governments, and the other one is printing money. So let's talk about all of them. Taxes. If they raise taxes too much, Arthur Laffer once said, if we go above a 30-34% tax rate, and David Romer said the similar thing, who's out of Berkeley, him and his wife wrote a paper saying anything above 34.5% motivation goes down to create more economy, more commerce, right? So if you tax too much, incentive goes away. And just like you incentivize your kids to do something, they got to incentivize us adults to go do something and create something better, okay? So the problem with too much taxes, incentive goes away. Number two, with borrowing money. When you borrow too much money, you get into debt and other countries control you. Great Britain, the money they borrowed from the U.S. for World War II for the weapons they bought, they barely paid off that money December 31st of 2006. Think about how many years that was until they paid it off. Right now, they had to make the decision, but it took a long time. And we have a lot of money we owe right now. And last but not least is printing money. U.S. can make a decision at any point to say, we're going to start printing money. But here's the reality with printing money. I collect baseball cards. A 1986 Michael Jordan rookie card, FLIR, BGS 9.5, which is Beckett Graded Services 9.5, was sold for $77,000 a few years ago. Okay? $77,000. Fast forward today, that same $77,000 card today you can buy for $8,000, $9,000. Let me say that again. That same $77,000 card today you can buy for $8,000, $9,000. You know why? Because back then there was only a couple of them. Today, there are hundreds everywhere you can get a nine and a half graded. So people are like, oh, you know, you got one, I'll give you seven grand, I'll give you eight grand, I'll give you nine grand. It's not worth a lot anymore. We can print to be able to afford this $5.7 trillion, but dollar goes down, other countries control America. So there is ways to get money, but just because there's ways to get money doesn't mean a family should go out there and do it, right? So that's one thing to be thinking about. The second thing I want you to think about is this. The fear of innovation, you know, oh, Pat, you know but, but Pat, this is real, Pat. You mean to tell me you're not concerned? These are some smart people saying this stuff. But is innovation really new? Like, is this really new? Is this something that we ought to be that concerned about? Did it just, like, did this just start happening and robots are just coming out? Have we had other kind of innovation where experts were all worried about what's going to happen with the economy? Let me give you a few examples of some. Cars replaced jobs. I mean, before cars, it was horses, right? Electricity replaced jobs. Lights, you know how you turn on the lights? Lights replaced jobs. My dad used to be able to make candles in Iran. That's how he made money. Candles don't mean anything today except for a hot date, right? Telephones replaced jobs. Machines replaced jobs. Trains replaced jobs. Calculators replaced jobs. Computers replaced jobs. The internet replaced jobs. Video games replaced 
jobs. So we can sit here and talk about, oh my gosh, all these robots are going to be replacing. That's called innovation. And advancement's going to be taking place. And every 30 to 50 years, jobs are going to be replaced. This is why 60% of Fortune 500 companies from 1970 are no longer around. Because it replaces. And if you don't adapt, if you don't adjust, and you don't pivot, this is going to happen to everybody. This isn't a new thing. So somebody may be watching this saying, well, Pat, I know you're saying all this stuff, and, and this sounds good, but man, I, I still think we have other problems we ought to be focused on. Shouldn't we kind of fix this kind of stuff? Here's the reality of it. Look, your value system is going to tell you which problems you think we should change and which problem you think we should focus on and spend money on. Right? Let me give you an example. Say you and I are roommates. And neither one of us have a lot of money. But every month we set aside $100 of roommate money that we save, okay? And we buy stuff for the place that we live together. All of a sudden we have $400 saved. And you say, I think we need to buy a TV. And I say, buddy, we don't need a TV. We can watch the stuff on our phones. We need a microwave and we need like a George Foreman grill to be able to cook. And we need a couple pans. We don't have that. Are you kidding me, man? We got girls coming. We need a TV. But we, don't, we need to eat. Man, we need a better microwave. That microwave is not working. It's not even doing the toaster stuff. The decision on who's right is based on the value system. Party, fun, feed, healthy, you know, all the, what is the one that you want to vote for? That's how we come out with programs, and you're generally going to vote for a program that's going to be benefiting you. That's, we all, by the way, this is not just me or you. This is everybody. But we have to sit there and say, is that the betterment for what we're really trying to do to advance? Do we really go into debt this kind of money and say yes to UBI? Is it really that big of a concern? And the other thing I want you to think about is the following. Look. This isn't the first time brilliant minds have said things that aren't right. And a lot of people say, well, Pat, you, you again, Elon Musk and Zuckerberg said this. Listen, I've said stuff that I've been wrong. A lot of people have said stuff that are wrong. Anybody that comes up and does something big, it doesn't mean 100% of their predictions are right. Let me share a few with you. You ever heard of this guy named Bill Gates? You know Bill Gates from Microsoft? In 1981, this is what he said. No one will ever need more than 637 kilobytes of memory for a personal computer. 640 kilobytes ought to be enough for anybody. Bill Gates said that. It's a guy worth nearly $100 billion or something like that. Thomas Edison in 1889 said, fooling around with alternative current, which is AC, is just a waste of time. No one will use it ever. Albert Einstein in 1932 said, there's not the slightest indication that nuclear energy will ever be obtainable. It would mean that the atom would have to be shattered at will. Einstein, one of the biggest geniuses, E equals MC squared, said something like that. Andy Grove, who's a genius, somebody I admired tremendously, CEO of Intel in 1992 said, the idea of a personal communicator in every pocket is a pipe dream by greed. This is Andy Grove saying this. Steve Jobs in 03 said, the subscription model of buying music is bankrupt. I think you could make available the second coming in a subscription model and it might not be successful. He said this to Rolling Stone magazine. And last but not least, Charles Duell, Commissioner, U.S. Patent of 1899, said the following, everything that can be invented has already been invented. Can you imagine? These are some genius luminaries said the following things. You've said some things you were wrong. Just because everybody said, let's worry about AI, doesn't mean everybody's right. It just means it's an opinion. As much as we're worried about AI and robots and all this other stuff, I want you to think about it in a whole different way. 20 years ago, could a seven-year-old made $21 million in a year on YouTube? No. 20 years ago, would you and I have known each other? How? 
how would you have known me? Through YouTube? Many of you around the world, 170, 180 different countries watch Valuetainment. How did you find this? Did I come and shake your hand? Have you and I ever met before? We probably never met before. How did this happen? Technology. Twitter, you can share your opinion. Facebook, pictures. I got family, friends all over the world. I can see where they're at. I don't need to call them every five seconds to see what's going on. I can simply go on Facebook and see the pictures of their kids growing up. I couldn't have done that before. I would have missed these moments. So as much as we can put the fear of what AI can do to people, we got to kind of look at it and say, okay, say this happens one day. It's not here today, but say it happens one day. We keep watching movies with robots. Say it happens in one day. I best make sure I take care of my family by making sure I adapt, adjust, and pivot. So if this ever comes, you're at least in good place financially. Because if I go to sleep every single night worrying about being into the world, kind of a life in my life. Can you imagine if every day you're worried about what your wife is going to do, husband's going to do, your kids are going to do, you're constantly worried about what your job is going to do, what the market's going to do. I'm in the insurance business. Can you imagine if every day you're worried about dying? What kind of a life is that? It's not the most, it doesn't produce offense. It produces this. It produces fear. People don't move when they're like this. Don't let a lot of these minds produce the fear where you don't move. My, my encouragement to you is to listen to this message and say, you know what? As much as it's advancing, I'm going to have this thing work in my favor rather than being a person that's frightened of it. I hope you do that. So again, I'm not telling you anything I said today is right or wrong. I'm not telling you what I said. These are my thoughts. I'm not telling you I'm 100% right. What I am encouraging you to do is the same thing. The next time you hear an idea that sounds ludicrous or exciting, rather than jumping up excited or saying this is terrible, go do some research. Go online and say, yeah, it's not as simple as the guy made it out to be. Thanks everybody for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five star, write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bidavid. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care everybody, bye-bye.